everybody and hello everyone and welcome to Around the World in 80 Drinks, our podcast about global imbibing. Uh, we are in the midst of a mini-series, a uh, series of Tour de France podcasts where we follow the Tour de France, see what we've done there, around, around the wonderful nation uh, of France and we explore regions via the medium of drink whilst also talking about the greatest bike race in the world and I am as ever joined by the beautiful and somewhat slimmer Tom Sandham. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right mate, yes. Uh, ben and I met recently in person for the first time since uh, March. March. Yeah. Since March. Uh, it was a monumental moment and, um, and in that time we've both been getting into the cycling a bit but uh, I've had what might be described as a midlife crisis or a mental breakdown. Yeah. And um, I've been doing a lot of cycling. And Ben thought I'd lost quite a lot of weight. And I had, it turned out, I went home and weighed myself. I've lost a stone. And he said, yeah. I, I look like I had some serious illness. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, you didn't have a great deal of weight to lose in the first place. No, it's um, not an issue that I need to address weight loss. <laughs> so uh, it's difficult to deal with, really. I've, I've been eating a lot of pasta since you said that feels quite self-conscious. Yeah. <laughs> and three pastries for breakfast. I'm carb-loading. Um, but we are into the bikes, which is, uh, which is evidenced by my weight loss. And it's good. So follow us on Strava. Yeah. Podsters. We give us kudos, man. Finding the Strava thing... Uh, sort of a bit passive aggressive in a, in a sort of nice way i don't think i've got the right mentality for it because you give you see what everyone else is doing and inevitably they're doing more than me and i give them kudos uh so i'm supporting go yeah good one nice one but actually i'm thinking you bastards mm. more than me uh and it's well, yeah. sort of at the same time i don't think i've quite got into the camaraderie of the cycling uh crowd mm, well I, I don't i'm not sure i will just based on history of my liking humans um i'm not sure i'll embrace the social network element of it but um but i think what you need to get into is the zone of competing with yourself um, yeah anthony clark who we've mentioned who runs the uh, the richmond cycles shop in richmond he was saying don't become obsessed with the numbers do it for the joy of the ride I've become obsessed with the numbers mm. um, and, and he, he sort of said, well, that's okay if that's what drives you. So let that drive you, Ben. Let your own self-improvement be. be I, don't, I seem to literally be getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, I've got the, you can do this thing where you can measure on my little bike computer thing. You can measure whether you're behind or where, where if you do a lap, it tells you yeah. behind or where uh on compared oh, that's to dangerous that. man that's dangerous i haven't got one of those yet so so and it's just yeah obviously you're getting more tired the first one yeah you're not so tired yeah. so um it's a, bit, a little bit dispiriting well strava um, also has these things called local legends um so if you do a certain route a number of times you become a local legend of that of that route and um i i find that sort of thing a bit patronizing you're a local legend um, because they gave me local legend status for going down a road that I have to cycle down every day to get to where I ride my yeah. bike, and it's a hundred yards, and they gave me local legend status. And I'm like that's just outside my house. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really feel a legend for doing that route, but it was worth it to get local legend status on Lily Bottom Road. So I became a legend for going up and down Lily Bottom. That's um, good. Which was amusing to me yeah and absolutely so... <laughs> well also the good thing to do is um because if you compare to yourself to everyone else on strava obviously there's going to be little whippersnapper 20 somethings who work for price waterhouse coopers and stuff who will do triathlons and mm, those guys uh, those guys and they're, and they're belling around richmond park doing much quicker times than me but then when mm. you narrow your search down to men over 40 men over 14 stone i'm all i'm doing five foot, well. five foot ten no, 15 I'm, I'm, stone yeah i'm not doing too <laughs> <I'm a winner. laughs> there aren't in, many with my dimensions no, in that fair. category i'm king of the mountains uh so yeah 
uh, I, when I entered <laughs> degenerative sort of wasting disease into mine, <laughs> I, I am the I am the legend of that. Uh, one thing that has obviously we've talked about this in the past, and for those who are now watching our videos, you can now see that I am holding up a little tube of a new soul. Oh yeah, soul I always think of as sunshine. So the little bit of sunshine for your a new, a new being your anus. Um, so yeah, sunshine for my butt because of my piles, the yes. ever-growing problem of piles. And uh, I, I got this particular tube as a bit of a top-up, just for anyone who, who's not familiar with the ointment of uh, pile relief. Um, you have to have a clean bot bot, and then you wipe it on <laughs> with your fingers. It is yes. what I would describe as quite humiliating, um, but it does help. So I went into the Tesco after our meeting when we met for the first time since March, Ben, to a Tesco to pick up my Anusol. Mm -hmm. um, and what I love about this current situation is you can buy this product in a supermarket and um, and now you have self-service. Uh, so you don't have to talk to anyone about it. It's quite embarrassing buying bottles of Yeah. So, and it was the only thing I was going to buy. It's all I had to buy. So I went in there and I went straight to the self-service and I put it through and I didn't put it in the basket section. So I didn't put it on that sensor that actually mm -hmm. allows you to just pay for your product and what do you know <laughs> off went the light and the machine started bleeping and i couldn't get out of there i couldn't really do anything the only thing i could have done was run but it was quite busy so overcame i imagine you couldn't run that far anyway no, I mean, it would have been looked like John Inman shoplifting. They would have known who it was who'd left it behind, based on my gait. And uh, <laughs> the, the man, the man, came over and decided to try and put it through himself, and he did it three or four times. And it became quite protracted. Yeah, it was, not, it was. Oh no, it was a woman. It was a woman. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I mean, no disrespect, but it was you know hard to tell. But it was a woman. <laughs> and um, <laughs> She was like, oh, yeah, thing is, if you don't put it through properly, then it's like the computer thinks we're trying to nick it. And it just got very loud, and people were looking at me. <laughs> it was the lights still flashing. She was holding up my tube of Anusol. Anusol. The lights were flashing. It was like a siren. It was like, boo, woo, woo. We've got like, a winner. A bit like the bulbs around your body. In fact, yeah. throbbing red <laughs> alarm. A red beacon of uh, humiliation uh, and discomforts. And so that was my experience this week of, of uh, cycling problems. Um, yeah, so there is. It is. It's a bad one because hmm. um, when we've been to Edinburgh in previous years, for the, for the last nine years, um, Amy Soul has been put on company expenses regularly because for some reason the diet and the nerves and the general lifestyle means you it, it rears its ugly heads mm. and um so i thought this this year we wouldn't have to uh, invest in an a new soul did you mm. want a company by the way i didn't actually i should have done shouldn't i yeah you should um yeah it's not that expensive to be fair no and um and it does have it you does, ever been uh, to the doctor for for, for those things yeah i have um i mean that was the first time because i didn't really understand what was going on down there and um, yeah, and, yeah, and, and the, i think the, the thing with the with the doctor trip is you really do put that off until the absolute <laughs> last moment and that's pre pre you know anusol yeah. and anusol and and any sort of treatment because i just didn't know what was going on down there it just yeah it was just very very painful it can be symptomatic and, of other more serious things so guys well, and ladies I mean, and ladies yeah everyone go go um don't be scared to get it checked out because no. um it's most likely the old johnny giles the old chow fonts but it could be something roids of london, Roids of london. <laughs> so i went to um i actually had i went to the doctor to get mine sorted quite this is about this time last year and before i went my friend i went my name name i won't give him give you his real name matthew matthew was giving him a fake name matthew matthew um he told me about a time he went to the doctors and he was pants pants down curled up on the on the uh doctor's sort of couch thing and uh in walked his next door neighbor's wife who worked there as a nurse all gloved up and just she just went ah oh. oh 
I think not I'll, you. Get, I'll get someone else. Not you. But by that time, <laughs> we've had a, a full view of his uh, office. So anyway, whilst I was waiting, whilst I was waiting for my for my inspection, I started thinking about that, and then I started laughing uncontrollably to a point the doctor left the room and when he came back in I was just like shaking with laughter on the bed just thinking about it and then I got the giggles and couldn't stop and the only way you could get me to stop laughing which was a bit awkward because he's like why are you laughing and I was like oh it's a long story <laughs> uh, the only way he got me to stop laughing was sticking his finger in my bottom, my bottom. <laughs> I'll give you two things that are not funny here, Sunshine, and I'm going to put them right up your boss spots. If, if you're ever in a situation when you're giggling when you shouldn't be, that's yeah. get sure get fine. A, get a sure fine. Tell it to strangers to put their finger up your bum. Do it yourself, <laughs> especially if you've got piles. It will stop you laughing. It'll make you cry. So anyway, um, that's about twenty minutes on piles. piles. Um, well, it's all related. It's all related. Yeah, it's bike yeah. content, <laughs> loosely. Loose. Uh, loose is one of the ways to deal with that problem, in fact, stay loose. Um, but we've uh, we've been uh, watching the racing, and it's been a slightly quieter few days of the stages. We had a rest day, uh, which I suspect, Ben, if we were riding the Tour de France, would be our particular day of choice. Yeah. Ooh, the rest day where you Sitting just lie on a little pillow. <laughs> yeah. uh, putting on creams. <laughs> Uh, so they had a rest day and then they had stage 10, 11 and 12. Stage 10 was one for the aerial photography, I thought. Uh, it went from Il Doloron Do, yeah, to mm. Il de Rey and it went along the coast um, and uh, it is beautiful. a beautiful bit of coastline. G'day to that. It does look yeah. a bit like it could be in Australia. It's absolutely stunning along there. Um, and the helicopter doing the thing the tour does best, um, just whipping along and taking beautiful shots of fantastic coastline. This is where I was due to go on holiday around this region, which it's was beautiful. It's very, very nice. Yeah. The Atlantic coast is underrated, I think. Everyone it is underrated. I'm not sure if I prefer the med. I think I might. Um, but That's if you're a pussy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just like lying by the sea, reading books yeah, with well, two like eye holes through, things. so I can watch people <laughs> while I'm pretending to be intelligent and read. Um, uh, yeah, but it's it's uh, it was beautiful. What was interesting with some of the route, though, it went by. I don't know if you noticed, Ben, how much of you saw. I, it went past the motorways, and it was it suddenly went onto roads that I can identify with a little bit more. Mm. Um, so that was reassuring to know they have to ride on those those roads as well. So it was a bit it was a bit a bit dicey. Um, it was a sprint stage, just for those who are interested in who won it and aren't guessing their cycling news. <laughs> more up to date from other sources. Sam Bennett, the Irish sprinter, won it, which was fantastic it was very good and if anyone knows Bennett's background he was with the German team um Bora Hansgrohe mm -hmm. and he wanted to get out Sponsored of the by team Krom Krombacher. Mm. But he wanted to get out of the team because it was it was being dominated by Peter Sagan who's a bit the star of the sprinting world mm. uh and he tried to get out of his contract and it was a bit protracted and a bit tricky for him he finally managed to and now he's with quick step and this is the first tour he's done where he's been able to to race for the for the for the win, and he was in tears, wasn't he, afterwards? Because he, he was it's been such a such a journey, guys. God, God, it's such an emotional journey, so ups and downs. Hmm. Yeah. So no, he's good. good. He's good. Also, it went through La Rochelle. Yes. And uh, anyone who studied French in the seventies and eighties and used tricolor books will know that pretty much everyone in France. Lives in La Rochelle. J'habite à La Rochelle. J'habite à La Rochelle. J'écoute le disque à La Rochelle. Je fais. Uh -huh. I, do, I do pretty much everything in La Rochelle, and that is beautiful. It's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful yeah. place. So that was a good uh, one. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. So that's eleven. That was good. S stage. That, there's the picture for those who are watching. There's good old Bennett winning, and he ended up in the green jersey. And the, very appropriate colour for, for the win. The stage after that was another sprint stage 
and was quite long and boring, frankly, if you were watching it on the telly, the whole thing, except for at the end where they did the sprint. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to absolutely love the sprint stages. Um, I used to think they were the most exciting bits of the race. Uh, these days, I, I think because I know how painful it is to kind of go up the mountains, I have more respect for the the overall GC battle. And but uh, and Cavendish did a lot. Mark Cavendish did a lot to help us really appreciate and celebrate sprinting, didn't he? Um, but it is very very dangerous. And what happened was that the aforementioned Peter Sagan, and if you can see on the video, we've got a picture of him barging about. Uh, 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 Van Art, yes, Van Art, who was in the sprint as well, very dangerously. So it was, um, it was quite a, it was quite a heated debate after that. It was, the yeah, they community. didn't, they, they, um, they had words, didn't they? Well, Sagan just stormed off and didn't want to embed mm. something nasty to him. It felt yeah. all very horrible. Um, mm. uh, at the time, but, I thought that's a bit harsh. He didn't look lucky, but then when I watched it again, it was pretty bad. He did, did lean into him. Properly gave him a budge, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I think the problem is as well for anyone who's into cycling will know the uh, the tour of Poland, your, oh, uh, one of your adopted yeah. lands. Um, they had a really nasty crash where Fabio uh, Jakobsen came off his bike, went over a barrier in the sprint, and um, landed on his face. And it was it's apparently, by all accounts, horrific injuries. We lost all his teeth and all sorts. So I think the whole uh, the whole sport at the moment is just being a bit down on people pushing during the sprint because yeah. they're going exceptionally fast. So Sagan lost loads of points, got relegated to the back of the peloton, and uh, and it put him right behind on the green jersey race and the Irishman Bennett right at the front of it. So fingers crossed for Bennett. He sees it through. Got quite and, a few points ahead, yeah. Yeah, and wins it. And then stage 12 was the longest stage so far. Um, worth saying that the guide, the official tour guide, said that stage 11 to Poitiers was a short one. Short for the tour is 167 yeah. kilometres. That's not short. That's a long, long way. Um but the longest stage was well, 218 kilometres. Well, so. Poitiers, just as you mentioned, Poitiers, <clears throat> um, it's a really cool student town. Mm. Oh, um, one of the oldest universities in Europe. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and Descartes studied there. Ah. And René Descartes, he did a law degree there. And he's, he's response, he's a French philosopher who said, I think, therefore, I am. And sometimes you see, <laughs> it's pretty funny, Tom, there's some people who have a T-shirt that says, I drink, therefore I am. <laughs> oh, just, is yeah. it gin o'clock? Is it gin o'clock? Yeah. Bubbles? Uh, um, but did you, one thing that you might not know about Descartes is that he fancied women who were cross-eyed. Mm. Just, he, he had a real thing for that. Well, so, did he, or were they just an easy mark? <laughs> Well, I'll show you a picture. Did he look better cross-eyed? Let's let's. Yeah, well, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Uh, I'll show you. I'll show you a picture of Descartes. Descartes. Uh, But he did a law degree and then converted to philosophism. Oh yeah, no, but but his 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 folks were lawyers and and family. Mm. Um, So there you go. There you go. Yeah, he's got a bit of a crooked crooked. Hooter, hasn't he? So perhaps yeah. that just looked a bit <laughs> better when you cross your eyes. He looks like a, an even more, even fatter Jay Rayner. Can I say that? Jay Rayner is quite. Oh, <laughs> ask, ask Mr. Rayner. I'm sure <laughs> be delighted. To. Or maybe we'll be speaking to his lawyers. I don't know. But anyway, no. that gives you an idea for people who can't see it. He looks like a cross between Jay Rayner and a uh, one of those sort of border collies. Anyway. He wasn't famous for his looks. He's famous for his braininess. Well done. Yeah, well done. Uh, there's Poitiers for you. Um, stage 12, which ran from Chauvin- Chauvigny to Saint-Rain. Saint- wow. Saint- Chauvigny. Uh, Chauvigny. 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 To Saint-Rain. Was the longest stage. 218 yeah. kilometres. And it's notable mostly for what happened when uh, Hershey, the Swiss, Hershey Switz, um, yeah. Hershey Switz, Hershey Switz. Is there something we can do that? Probably. Let's think on that. He won. He won, which was brilliant because yeah. he uh, he massively deserved it after missing out twice on stage wins 
um, to Alaphilippe narrowly, and then obviously that epic stage where he was he sort of time trialed a mountain and got taken on the line. Um, so we were really pleased for that. He's, he's very young, um, early twenties, yeah. and once again, apparently he rides on a, on a sort of time trial aero bike, even though he's doing the mountain. So he's all. His, his intentions are fairly laid out. He just likes to go fast for a long time. Very good at going fast. For a long um, time. I'm no expert, <laughs> but every time it switched to him, he seems to be going really fast. Mm. Compare your Strava stats to his, Ben. Yes. <laughs> I think you'll, yeah. you'll get some idea of how far we are off the pace. Yeah. So, yeah, well done him. Well done him. Um, well, just to go back to the philosophy very quickly, I, meant, yeah. I forgot to mention the Laura Shell is... Um, the, um, Jean-Paul Sartre went to school there ah. and you like Sartre because as you were talking about how you don't like people he was he, he came out with hell is other people and yeah. he got bullied because he also had a, a sort of a wandering right eye right eye Escotropia oh. as well so so Descartes would have liked the look of him then yeah well <clears> yeah <throat> I mean yeah there was a fairly fundamental reason why and gender, yes. yeah, um, but but still, yes, he would have thought, oh, you perhaps he just had a penchant for a... maybe, eyes. maybe the eyes thing overran the gender. Mm. Who knows with these things? Uh, um, but then I tried to find a, a philosopher for Limoges, mm-hmm. and there isn't, there isn't one. The only famous person is Fred Serieux, who's the guy that the French waiter. Maitre D from first dates. Okay. Yeah, he's not a philosopher. He's not. He's he's, not. Uh, is he even really a Frenchman? I mean, he's so French. I start to think, are you really? He's, 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 he's Fred Sirius from Sirius. Um Yeah. So, okay. That was, uh, I mean, there were good, there were sort of good stages in different ways, but there was not the, um, the sprint one was quite good. Hershey was, he felt really good for him, but they, no one really challenged him at the last few few kilometres, did they? Mm. A bit spread out. Um, but I think it's just the calm before the storm, which is going to be the Alps. Indeed. I, I think they're going to towards Lyon, aren't they? And did you hear the mayor of Lyon? He's a, he's a real green... Uh, green uh, um, Campaigner, um, he, he got elected on the, on the on all the green issues. He's right. had a real go at um, at the tour, saying he's going to welcome them, but he also thinks they should a have a, a women's race going concurrently. I mean, bear in mind they've only just got rid of the dolly birds on the finishing line. I think he's they haven't got rid of them. That's the beauty. Well, they've got one. They've got yeah. one and, and, and a bloke, so they've sort of balanced that one out. But. Um, yeah, they're a bit behind the times on that. Um, but he, but he's also saying that people like Ineos, like a fracking company, and uh, some other people, and the fact that they're all the 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 the, the, um, the caravan, the the guys that throw out all the the goodies before the riders arrive to the crowd are just giving away plastic tap. So there's been a bit of a controversy there. Okay. Um, well, the bike race, I'd say that's yeah. really friendly. Um, I still, I mean, yes, we can. Uh, we can get into the uh, the Twitter sphere of problems with this whole thing if we want. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather not. I'd rather just enjoy the fact that in the midst of a massive well, a global pandemic, um, they've managed to get it going, and we've got some entertainment to yeah. take our minds off things. I do yeah. accept all of those criticisms of it uh, and it's um, but I'd rather not make this political just because I'm quite enjoying it and it's yeah. also inspiring me to go out and do some exercise and yeah. bringing me some joy in my otherwise empty life so yeah. I kind of say about um, go fuck yourself man yeah Let me just enjoy the bike race <laughs> yeah I was just I was, I was thinking just that Tom when I was burning some plastic bags in my back garden because they're getting <laughs> this is it as <laughs> I chucked my own uh, bidon into the and also they chuck a lot of bidons away school. but apparently they get picked up well, of course they're massive souvenirs aren't they yeah, you, yeah. you would like those during Covid <laughs> I'd be all over those um, <laughs> 
so let's get on to the food and drink. Uh, a yeah. quick word on the food, because this is a drinks podcast. But uh, the Charente uh, Maritime on Antique yeah. uh, region, as you'd expect. Got some, got some nice seafood around there. Oysters, apparently. The yeah. Huitre Marais Oloron. Oloron. From the basin de Marais Oloron. Um, in France, so uh, apparently yeah, a bit, a bit of a hot spot for the old uh, shellfish down there. Shuck yeah. um, MC. Nice, thanks. Uh, but they are they are meant to be quite quite a. Uh, they're delicate, less bitter, and iodized than though the open sea oysters. Mm. Um, they're better protected in this region and have a green hue around the gills. Uh, but they're kind of they've got an oyster bed taste apparently. Which is useful to eat if you're having a martini, mm, nice. an oyster with a martini. Um, and cheese, Sandre de Niort. Niort, oh, do you know Niort? It's a bit, bit boring, Niort. Is it? <clears throat> it's the, um, do you know, it's the insurance capital of France, all the insurance company based there. So oh, really? That is <laughs> of, uh... Boring. Boring. <laughs> Uh, I like to take my chances. Insurance is for losers. There's a goat because it's a goat's cheese. Um, apparently, it's from the Poitou Champ region. Yeah, don't know. Tastes Probably. barnyardy. Apparently, milky, um, soft cheese. In it, it's just cheese. Yeah, it's uh, cheese. But it is incredible. The number of regions we go to, and every single region has this. Its own special cheese. Uh, the French but, really are. No, but we've got more. We've got more. We've got more types of cheese than, than France. Well, yeah. This is the thing. I don't think I, I do. It's a PR exercise, isn't it? As we go around this these regions with our drinks, you realise they just they just seem to be um, better at marketing it. And and yeah. I, I'll grant you this: the the Massif Central certainly. Uh, has some more epic scenery than the Midlands, but we Very do have so. a habit. We do have a habit of of dressing up our regions in a fairly drab way, and the yeah. French are masters of turning, you know, what comes out of a goat, goat's boobies into cheese. They're, they're very good. Ordinaire. Uh, no, they're very good at just um, of. of of just turning a little a local delicacy into the sort of central the focus point of what they do mm. bear in mind they do take like three hours out for lunch so exactly. and they work about 20 hours a week yeah Where, um, that, i mean I, I think it's brilliant i think it's a much better way of living but mm. it gives them more time to talk about cheese doesn't it yeah i suppose so that's the way you've got to look at it guys we're doing it all wrong we're too busy we're too busy on twitter we should be putting our phones away Spending just, way too long doing podcasts about yeah. them so, instead mean, of selling our own yeah, gear. Was, all right, let's get on with it then. Come on. Okay, muscles. It's oh, the guns while we bring in the um, mouclard, mou, mou which is a La Rochelle treat, and potatoes. Apparently, pommes de terre uh, from Ile de Ray. They've got these special seventy millimeter uh, potatoes, which are very distinctive. And then truffles. More importantly than all of that, truffles. A lot of chat about the old Perigold truffle, the black truffle from the further south. But Jarnac, which is a big region for brandy, cognac, which we're coming on to, have a massive truffle industry now and are seen as a forgotten speciality of the Charente region. Charente. Charente, it doesn't have an accent. Charente. How do you say? Charente. Charente. Yeah. Charente region. Uh, in the 19th century, production of truffles in the Charente had grown to 50 tons a year. Oh, so it was a, a lot it's, his, historically, it's been a big, big industry there, but it's, it's sort of dropped off the pace a bit. Um, and now they've got 700 hectares, which is apparently the premium growing area for your truffles. And winter is the time for the truffle. So if you're going over there post-pandemic, mm. go between October and January and there's all sorts of festivals and um, 
all the way up to February, apparently. And they train um, pigs and stuff, don't they? To get well, them. yeah, this or is it. But is apparently, it dogs? Or is it it's dogs? dogs now, yes, which brings me on to that image I had because the dog obviously has a sensitive sense of smell. So they use dogs more than pigs now. It's a bit more traditional. It used to be female pigs, like women, have a better sense of taste and smell than the male. Okay. <clears throat> Whereas that dog's sniffing another dog's bottom. Well, my question for you is, the picture I have here for those who mm -hmm. are just listening, is a dog sniffing another dog's arse. And what I don't understand about dogs mm -hmm. is if they have such a sensitive sense of smell, mm -hmm. why sniff an arsehole? Maybe, there's a, tr the maybe there's a truffle out there. Maybe oh. we don't know that every dog... Maybe that's what truffles truffle. are. Oof, that's a, that's a I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think that's the case. I mean, with the French, are oh, have got form on making food out of unusual bits, but I think that's taking it. I don't think a truffle is the dog poo. It would be the greatest of all yeah. ruses. <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? <laughs> if this whole time it yeah. was just dog shit. <laughs> tastes really earthy. Yeah. Yeah, it tastes like it's been buried underground for a while. Yeah. And it tastes of dog shit. Yeah. That's because, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, c'est la merde, chien. Uh, <laughs> good for the French. They're, I'm yeah. sure they're, they're sticking a few over on us. Um, and well, I mean, try if you have Andriette. Oh my god, that, that is, that, is that, might, that might be doctor. Chateau wedding, and I thought it was a sausage, sausage <laughs> spaghetti. And I was there for a good while working out how to spit it out and where to put it. What so, bin to put so it. In my wife, she loves Andriette. She's really, she, yeah, I mean. The texture is the texture, the smell, the taste, the the, the entire it's combat. No, yeah. no, I no, can't go with it. Not for me. I'll I'll try most things, even dog shit. Does <laughs> <laughs> love truffles. Um, so that's the food. So lots going on there. Um, yeah. Truffles, just as a, as a side note, were seen as the, the devil by the church. The church started telling people that. Um, I know I've got a picture of some nuns mm -hmm. to uh, illustrate that. Nuns on the run. Do you remember that? Great film. Great film. Was, um, and they associated truffles with witchcraft and sin, which is a bit like what the church did with alcohol. Uh, so it seems anything that's quite nice, and yeah, they don't like. distracting, they didn't seem to like back in the day. Don't They're enjoy getting yourself. There. Don't yeah. enjoy yourself. If you do, you should feel guilty. Yeah. That's the message. There's a truffle just to illustrate if you're watching yeah. the video how much they do resemble. <laughs> well, I don't know, Tom. If you if it looks like that, then you're going to need to go back to the doctor. You might as well get. I don't know if you're a dog. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All and it's right. been buried, so it's kind of like yeah. a fossilized dog shit. Stage ten. When it came inland from the Atlantic, it went to Le Go. Uh, which is a very short drive from the cognac region. And so we get on to the drinks yes. of this particular pod. And we are going to focus on cognac. Cognac region reaches all the way from La Rochelle, as Ben mentioned in our trip. Wasn't in my uh, Jay Trezon lessons, the cognac industry, but it goes from La Rochelle in the north to Royan in the west and Angoulême Angl 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 in the east. Yeah. Big region, uh, 6,000 grape growers in that region and they supply white wine uh, for the distillation. So there's a wine industry and they make the wine which they then give to distillers. That wine's predominantly made with Uni Blanc, uh, mm -hmm. a particular variety, um, and it's uh, largely accepted that that wine is good for distilling, not for drinking. Not both. Only. Ben and I have had Uni Blanc wines, haven't we, Ben? They're 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 perfectly drinkable. Yeah, I think is a nice way of putting it. Mm. But not that that's not what they're really being made for. They've got a very ah. sort of high acidity, quite low in alcohol, which means they're very good for distilling. Um, so these wines are distilled twice for cognac. Unlike Armagnac, which we were talking about the other day, they get two distillations in copper stills or alembic stills. They're aged in Two different types of oak. We've got Limousin, uh, which is a region we're sort of going into with the tour. Yeah. And Tronquet. Tron 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 I think. 
But Limoges, Limoges, which is where one of the stage finishes, that's the big oak barrels. They have to be aged in French oak barrels, don't they? They do. Uh, the Tron, well, it's, it, you'll, you'll read it as Tron K, but mm. Tron Soir, as Ben says, is taken from uh, Maybe Forest. Maybe okay. I don't know. I think it is Tron. I think it's Tron. It's got that funny accent on the K. I've always said Tron K, but that's because I'm a thicko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've never really done the due diligence. The thing is, I'm trying to pretend I can speak French. And <clears throat> Let's move on. We'll find yeah. out. Afterwards. But they're taken from Forest Carter by uh, Louis the Fourteenth. Uh, yeah. His minister. My favourite. Uh, is <clears throat> a good one and they were to supply the french navy the forests originally but now they're, they're used for all sorts but it's one of the five forests they're allowed to take wood from in france and limousin is uh which is better for maturing cognacs longer because it's got a tighter grain so less tannins so they put it in that and it doesn't have quite the influence on the spirit uh and that's um that is a, a forest that's more officially used for the french oak barrels um and it takes two years to get these these the wood ready to make into barrels so they cut it and then they let it dry for a couple of years so uh, even making the barrels is a long drawn out process in the yes. world of cognac cognac is brilliant uh, we love cognac it's got an extraordinary history it sort of dips into history all over the world based on its international export we mentioned in the armagnac podcast only about three percent of what they make in in france is drunk in france everything else it's all exported really well historically if you, look at, if you look at yeah and, and the geography of it they're very yeah. uh, ports mm. so uh, you wouldn't <coughs> excuse me so um so we love it we love that about it one one of the things we really enjoy when we talk about drink is the the social history um and and where drink pops up and how influential it has been in, in that history and cognac is one of the, the leaders in that um and so it's aged uh, then it's usually cut with water and bring it down to about 40 percent abv so it's strong spirit uh, and there are various categories vs very special uh which has eau de vies that are spent no longer than two years in a in a barrel it must contain bsop very superior old pale which must be at least four years old and xo um which is six years but it can rise to 10 years and what you'll find is when you get into the world of xo they tend to exceed the legal minimum anyway so um the XO category is where we really start to get luxury. Showboats. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. I love it. I was out there recently, uh, in recent years now, because we've lost a year, um, with Last Drop. Now, Last Drop is a, a, a company that finds old barrels that have been apparently forgotten about. Uh, and they, they dip into them, see if there's any decent spirits left in them and sometimes if spirits spent like a hundred years in a barrel it tastes rank frankly mm. um so they find the barrels where there's something in it that you can actually enjoy and i went out to cognac with them to try their 14th release which was a 1924 uh, grand champagne champagne cognac and had been forgotten about for 80 years now apparently so the story went the distillery which was cabin a fil distillery um sixth generation cognac makers um when they were attacked by the nazis it hastily put erected love that word yeah. a wall to protect some of their cognac supplies and when they were renovating more recently they knocked this wall down and found this barrel of cognac no way. Uh, yeah which is a That's brilliant cool. story uh, a story i wrote for the telegraph in fact i'll put the link up when we put this on um, and uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to snoop around the uh, Cabin a Phil distillery, and here are the owners, and they were lovely people. And although it's quite a heritage brand, a product category cognac, they're doing really innovative stuff. Um, so they're working on different grape varieties and different wood. So we tend to think of it sometimes as a bit stuffy and old manly, but it's really not. There's loads of really well, interesting I'm, stuff. Yeah, because last week we sort of rather crudely said Armagnac's full of small. Artisan producers and cognacs dominated by big 
um, very <coughs> very prestigious houses, but actually when you travel around the cognac region, you do encounter lots of small small producers doing lots of things, and also a lot of cooperages as well. Um, yeah, and that's always worth seeing and maybe having a go at yourself because it is it's as hard as it looks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> really is. hard. And if it you, is. I mean, it's I've tried to make a barrel, and it's very difficult. But um, but you know the 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 Nazi thing reminded me of a thing I'm doing. Whilst you're watching the uh, tour, you know one of the main sponsors they sponsor the polka dot jersey is a major French supermarket called uh, Ile Clerc. Mm. Now the big like, there's a lot of supermarkets. There's a, so I think it's four big ones in uh, in France. You've got Carrefour, you've got Casino, you've got Géant, and you've got Ile Clerc. Ile Clerc is definitely the funniest because what you do is as you're driving around France, what I've done ever since the 1980s is when you pass an Ile Clerc, especially if you're wearing sunglasses, you raise them up and you say to whoever's in the car with you, it is Ile Clerc. Uh, referencing, of course, uh, Michel Roger Leclerc from Allo Allo, who was a uh, resistance ding, fighter. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, and a, a counter, <laughs> and he was a counterfeiter. He worked as a bartender, so it is linked to the podcast as well. Oh, it's nice. a link. Thank you very much. And he was a counterfeiter, and he also in uh, one of the episodes he was he was a he was a disaster of disguise because um, he was always dressing, trying to disguise himself, but you could easily see. It was him. It's a running joke, like all their low, low jokes, um, and it was very funny. So whenever you see an Ile Clerc sign, say, I've been doing it with Sophie, my wife. She's, she hasn't laughed once, but I'm going to keep going. Um, it's one of those. Uh, yeah. Say it 20 times and it becomes funny. Exactly. It is E. Leclerc. Um, and he, he was a counterfeiter who made um, a, for, a forgery in one of the episodes of the uh, Fallen Madonna with the Big Boobies. So... <laughs> Oh, oh, if you watch Hello Hello again, it is just very, gives and gives. It's brilliant. Gives and gives. It's brilliant. It's very, very good. And, anyway. and, ac- and accurate on many levels. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, really um, really so, got a sense of what the French were up to during the war. And I think you'll find that it's quite difficult to make a, an amusing uh, sort of anecdote related to the Nazis most of the time. So I'm quite pleased <laughs> with that one. Anyway. On um, your uh, cognac, What's, what have you got there? Well, I don't know, but I, I just I've, I've got a bit of the uh, last drop actually, um, <clears throat> which uh, I I was lucky enough to take with me, and I keep in a in a decanter in a nice. Uh, decanter. What's it saying that? What's it saying that? Well, Ben, I think if, if, for those who can't see the video, it says Spirit Communicator of the Year, uh, Tom Sandham. Really? Uh, so yeah, it's IWSC. Uh, it's a trophy. It's an award, if you like, right. for my um, for my my expertise in the world of spirits because I'm an award-winning drinks expert, Ben. Uh, what in the world of spirits? The world of spirits. So you know. It's funny because there was a yesterday I looked online and Class Magazine, which is the industry kind of bible, um, had the uh, hundred most influential people in the industry, and um, I got down to about number eighty, but you didn't, well, you didn't get to 81. That, that wasn't me. <laughs> no, no, I was counting down from 100. And oh, once right. I got past 80, I thought, well, it's definitely not. Oh, me. right. You didn't get to number five. No. <laughs> no, I'm not on that list. But we deal so much more with the consumer now, Ben. We want to take our expertise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. Well, the, don't need, the layman, don't... which is why I say tronquet instead of trontois. Yeah, trontois. Because <laughs> <laughs> we really know our shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So while I was there, the reason I put this in the background for those who can see that, that's uh, uh, Bernard Sazerac de Forge. I just wanted to do it, just go into the history a bit further. Just the, these guys, um, I went over to the to the uh, extraordinary family house of the, the Sazeracs, the Logis de Forge à Moutier sur Bohème. Um, and it was an extraordinary place. And uh, they they treated me to a home-cooked meal and I just, I, I was blown away with their generosity, um, but also the fact they've got so much history on this. And they were, they were making cognac here, but they were making paper as well. Uh, this, this mansion, essentially it is. And, um, and they, they 
took the paper all over the world, but they, they were iron makers as well. And they made the cannons for, um, for the American revolution. They'll be taken over to, to America at the time from here. And the cognac went with them. And then the cognac made its way to New Orleans and was used in the first Sazerac cocktail. Wow. Uh, and then uh, they've got, they've got recipes to show that. And now the Sazerac family is an American family, uh, a whiskey family that, uh, that works with, last drop in fact but we were just sat there having lunch and these guys took took me around the place and they they had things like descart first edition books just just ramshackle libraries and um and works of art on the wall that the artists had done for the family and they were just really unassuming it's quite elderly couple who were living there and just it was like walking around a museum and they, it was just their gaff and all the time we were just drinking extraordinarily expensive cognac and i really did think i just love france so much <laughs> can i move here can i live with you guys which they didn't they weren't so interested no. so beautiful trip and uh, other trips have included hennessy hennessy xo oh, yeah. which we've tasted in our podcast before the, the, but the reason to bring up the Hennessy is because, of course, uh, the main man, Richard Hennessy, was Irish. So as our, like. our Bennett was winning his Don't race and taking his green jersey, he was uh, following the footsteps of Richard Hennessy, who founded the, the company. And also worth saying that this year is the 150th anniversary of the XO uh, variety of cognacs. And Hennessy were the first people to do it. The term was coined uh, by Morris Hennessy in the 19th century. Um, and it was bottled, first of all, for his family and his friends. And um, he, he, they, it was so popular that they turned it into a category. And now everyone makes an XO who can. And it's incredible, in, say, incroyable. Incroyable. Costs £143 from the Whiskey Exchange, Hennessy XO. So yeah. it is... It is expensive, but there's over a hundred of those eau de vies we were talking about from the Grande and Petit Champagne borderies and Fambois regions of Cognac. So that's a hundred different distillates that are then put into barrels and then blended to make this, which is pretty, pretty bloody impressive, isn't it? And the master blender at, at, at Hennessy Renault, Renault, uh, Filou de Gironde. Oh. Oh, that's a bit another reference to uh, yeah. uh, every weekday 11 a.m they all get together in the uh in their little tasting rooms to taste these and thousands of the eau de vies are tasted over the year um and then they decide which ones should go into their various blends it is bloody beautiful Hennessy, so uh, it is oh. very well, Hennessy, he's from, so he's from Cork. Martel, Jean Martel, he was from Jersey. Yeah. Hein, he was from Dorset. And Otar, another sort of cognac, big 18th century producer, um, came from Scotland. Yeah. So they're all, they're, they're all um, immigrants uh, making nice booze. Yeah. Um, you're right to reference Thomas Hine. I mean, we, we don't have the uh, quite the British contingent in terms of the cycling this year, uh, although Ineos Grenadiers is a British team and we had Yates in yellow, but Thomas Hine came across from Dorset. There's the beautiful Hine house. And, um, um, and that, I've got the, uh, the VSOP here, um, but that was founded in 1763, again, to give you some idea of the extraordinary... Um, history here and um, try the, the VSOP again that's available oh, it's not on my mic sorry oh. happens when you have three cognacs in about a minute <laughs> you've got the uh, the VSOP uh, which is a bit more of an accessible entry if, you, if you're getting into cognacs um, but really Hein is celebrated for um, lots of uh, vintages they, they like to excel in the sort of the vintage area so things that are aged for a long time in their cellars mm. before they they bottle it um and and rightly highly regarded around the world for for what they do there um so explore all the hinds um, yeah um but and cognac is not the only spirit 
It's not. That's made there because I've got a couple of little maverick things for you, Tom. Yeah. This Domaine de Canton. Yeah. Which is a ginger liqueur made with some with some uh, botanicals from Southeast Asia and some VO and um, some <coughs> oh, VSOP. Oh my word. Um, and VS Cognac. And we. We've had lots of this. We did a tasting of this back in about 2009. Yeah. Like so, and that is, um, if you like ginger, Domaine de Canton is wonderful in cocktails, nice over ice. Mm. If you don't like ginger, definitely won't like this. <laughs> it's not for you. No. Um, um, so there's that. And then the sort of the big celebrity thing, I suppose, around here. Well, do you remember, remember Cognac got into sort of the hip-hop, a lot of the hip-hop mm. uh, dudes started getting into some of the big traditional Cognac houses. Um, this is Ciroc Vodka, partly mm. owned by Sean Puffy Coombs. Um, P. Diddy? Only when he drank a whole bottle. Um, and that... <laughs> <laughs> It gives and um, gives this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Fifth worst joke of, of the Edinburgh Fringe, 2012, something like that. Um, so Ciroc Vodka is uh, produced in the Cognac region with Mozac grapes from the Gayak region, which is a bit more to the uh, to the to the east. So, um, and it's instead of using uh, grains like uh, potato or rice or barley or wheat, they use grapes. So they use the mosaic grape and they distill it. So it's a kind of eau de vie vodka. And um, it was when it was released and vodka was at its peak. It was it was quite controversial, wasn't it, people? It was. Is that a vodka? Um, yeah. But it is a vodka, really. Yeah. Well, no, um, they, 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 yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the biggest selling luxury vodkas in yeah. certainly America. Isn't it? It's been yeah. a huge success over there. Um, they do make gin in the region, Ferrer, the uh, the cognac distillery, which is also famous for its um, fantastic rums. They take rum and they age them in barrels in the cognac region, um, and they have Citadel Gin, so you can find some gin in the mm. in the region. Um, I've, I've I've got a bottle of this again. The whiskey exchange have been very uh, very good to us for this particular episode. They've sent us loads of gear. This Camus Camus. Il de Rey um, is a cognac, but it's a, it's the Il de Rey Fine Island cognac. So it's distilled and matured on the island, um, and they claim because of its close proximity to the ocean that it has a slightly savoury note, and it does. It is quite unusual. It's very rich, very sweet in the way that you hope cognac would be. But it has got this kind of weird little salty edge, which um, makes it ideal to match with your your mussels and your whiskers um, if you're on Il de Rey. And that costs, that is really good gear. And that only costs £44 from the whiskey. So, bonjour. Another one. That's beautiful packaging with all the island and lighthouses and that carry on yeah um so um big fan of that and have you got any other drinks i've got one more uh no no i'm no. i'm done well i'll do uh, the last one i've got which oh, is what have you got uh, pinot de chalent oh yes so they came down to Royan in the race which was about 20 minutes from pinot de chalent um which is a fortified wine um the 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 variety i've got comes from the chateau de boulon uh, B-E-A-U-L-O-N, Bulon, Bulon, Chateau de Bulon. And they are a cognac producer. Um, but like a lot of cognac producers, or not a lot, but there, there are others who will do this and they produce this uh, Pinot de Chante wine. Um, this goes back, this, the Chateau here was built in 1480. So it's one of the oldest properties to be found in the uh, entire cognac region. So that's quite impressive. And this is the five-year-old. So it's a blend of Bordeaux grape varieties, a semillon, semillon, got any, semillon, and uh, Sauvignon Blanc. And then it's fortified wine. So they put their own cognac brandy into there. It's usually a ratio of apparently one third cognac to two thirds wine. 
and then and the wine is, the wine is an actual it's a wine not a grape juice because uh in Armagnac they have something called flock flock de gascoigne and they blend in the unfermented grape juice with the with the Armagnac to make a, a lower ABV lighter aperitif wine yeah yeah it's it different it is it is and uh and 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 it's and it's banging it's banging is it good mate. it's really good it's 24 pounds 75 again the whiskey exchange sent us that marvelous thank you whiskey exchange uh, we do buy stuff from them as well but it's nice when they send it to us uh, for our podcast but it is worth worth getting that and it's brilliant with cheese so have your Sandre de Niort goat's cheese yep. speciality of the region um, with a fortified wine like that. It's a bit richer. You know the way, because um, obviously one of the fortified aperitif style wines that we particularly enjoy from the sort of Bordeaux region is uh, a bit further south, get to the Lille yeah. um, Lovely region. And that's got that orange fruitiness. So, so this with the cognac, it's a bit richer. So it's not got the quite the same citrus. More autumnal much more autumnal and this is a great region going into winter where we talk about the truffle festivals and uh, and all of that if you've come up from the massive central and had your chestnuts during the early autumn come up to here as it gets a bit later get a bit cozy drink your brandy and yeah. your, uh, oh. your pinot de chalent mm. with uh and some dog shit <laughs> or actually dog shit yeah eat yeah. some dog shit with some charons <laughs> Goes really well. Ah, oh, mais non, uh, not the uh, not the truffles. No. <laughs> Merci. C'est uh, c'est uh, le merdier. Uh. <laughs> it's like that time when I was in the Alps, uh, and we had we we were in this restaurant. It was a kind of it was one of those. It was a sort of restaurant, sort of someone's house. I was never quite sure, but it was in one of those huts, quite sort of halfway up the mountain. And we finished the meal, and a guy brought this big decanter with a sort of towel wrapped around it. And he poured each whatever on a shot. Um, and uh, we were like, what is it? He goes, no, I will tell you after. You must drink it. And then immediately I knew there was something <laughs> that was going to be bad. Um, and my girlfriend at the time and some other friends were um, a bit shocked and very annoyed when he revealed he took the towel off and there was just a massive dead snake in the... Uh, are you sure that's what it was? Yeah, no, it was. It wasn't Andrea. Uh, so you've never tasted it? Oh, you'll love it. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a dead snake. And it just, I mean, and they were saying it's they were saying it's an aphrodisiac. I can tell you now, it wasn't that night. Well, that was, very, the, very church, that was what the church hated about the truffles, wasn't it? There was, there was an air of sexiness, apparently, yeah. around the aroma. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go back to that picture of dogs sniffing each other's butts. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's all all come together, Tom. (laughs) Come together. Yeah. Well, that'll be a first. (laughs) Right. So there we go. um, I think we've um, improved everyone's lives who's listening. Um, Well done, Tom. Uh, You've introduced us to lots of different cognacs. Uh, You've brought the Nazis in in a nice way. Uh, I thought that was good. Um, it's dodgy ground. I thought we dealt with the cross-eyed bit very maturely. That could have gone wrong. Yeah, we've done a bit of proper expose journalism here by blowing the doors off the uh, yeah, idea truffles. that truffle is a luxury food. Fungi. It's not no. a fungi at all. It's no, a really it's nasty basis. piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Oh, and by the way, can we just stress this? Because not enough people are doing it. If you promote our podcast on social media and then you tag us in, you will be entered into a competition. <laughs> Don't pause there. Absolutely <laughs> amazing cycling top. You what will be this. entered? Yes, into <laughs> competition. <laughs> okay, yeah. what I say: if you don't do it, you will be entered. Um, <laughs> wow. What needs? What needs? Beer barrels uh, on the front. It's a really good one. Just because uh, there's, there's only about half a dozen people who who have talked wow. about it on, 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 talked about this Watney thing online, and that so they got one in six chance of winning. So um, get involved, people. Get on a case yeah. and uh, do your jobs. 
yeah. we're tired of carrying you all. Au revoir. Au revoir. Merci.